God's excited about you. Have you ever thought about it? You know, I know there are people who think that God is mad at them. Every time they think about what God might have in his mind, and they think God is angry because all their lives they were raised to think that God is only concerned about sin. God is not concerned about sin. He was concerned about sin. He's no longer concerned about sin because his concern about sin made him sin Jesus. So he settled the problem of sin forever in Jesus Christ. And he told us, because of Jesus and the grace that he brought to us, he said, sin shall not have dominion over you. So sin is no longer the problem. The problem now is man's faith. Would you trust his righteousness? Would you trust what Jesus came to do? Would you trust that he has settled the problem of sin forever? and accept and receive his righteousness into your spirit, would you receive it? And if you would receive that, then you would live continually in his glory. And you would understand that God is not mad at you but excited about you. Maybe we should just read that verse in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 19, that God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting men's sins against them. You see, he's not counting men's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. He gave us the message of reconciliation. Okay, how did he say that? How did he, how did he say that? Go to verse 18. You see it now. Verse 18. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Did you see that? He gave it to us. Into 19 now. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ. Now, that, that first part of that sentence is easier to get in the King James. Because when you see that, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ. That's exactly what he's saying. But let's see how it's better expressed in the King James. Go back to King James. To wit, 
Did you see that? That's beautiful. That God was in Christ. Aha. So he, he said the same thing. But here he, he helps you to understand that when Christ was there on that cross, God was in him. Doing something. Look at it. Reconciling the world unto himself. Not imputing their trespasses unto them. I don't know how many times I've tried to correct a lot of people about uh, input and impute. I don't know why they confuse it. This might be a good opportunity to just help a few. Did you see that there? Not inputting. That's not what he said. Input is I am. Okay? Then, if you impute means to charge with. It's a legal term. Okay? That's a legal term. It means to charge with. So he's not charging them with their trespasses. Now, an input is to put in. Hello? Input. Put in. That's not what he's saying here. He's not inputting. They are trespasses. So it's not input, it's impute. Imputed, not imputing their trespasses onto them. He's not charging them with their trespasses. To input means to put something into. All right? Like you're working on your computer and you're getting some information in. You are not imputing. Input. You're putting in. So don't say, I'm imputing this information. <laughs> That's a legal term. So, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and had committed unto us the word of reconciliation. He has committed unto us the word of reconciliation. He's given us the message of reconciliation. What message do you carry? Is it the message of reconciliation or the message of condemnation? Which one are you carrying? Which one are you carrying? Okay, go to John chapter 3 verse 16. St. John's Gospel chapter 3 verse 16. One of the most popular verses in all the world. For God, thank you Lord Jesus, that's why we're here. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that anybody, King James says, whosoever, that, that's how, how else do you express it? Whosoever, anybody who believes in him. Now look at another, another legal expression there should not perish. That's an order. That's an order. That's not a promise. That's an order. God has ordered, instructed, declared, enacted a law that anybody who believes in Jesus 
should not perish. It's the sovereign declaration of Almighty God. Anyone who believes in Jesus should not. And so, if you feel like something's happening to you, if you feel like you're going down, you feel like you're perishing, you ought to say, no, I believe in Jesus Christ. I believe. I should not perish. There's a law at work. Doesn't matter how many are perishing. He said, a thousand shall fall at your side and ten thousand at your right hand. But it shall not come nigh you. With your eyes shall you see and behold the reward of the wicked. I refuse to perish. Because there's a law that has separated me. That I should not perish. Doesn't matter how strong the flood is that's coming. Doesn't matter how, how much, how intense that fire is. It doesn't matter what the weapons are. I refuse to perish. There's a law at work. That law has separated me. Say amen. Let me explain something to you about the word of God. So you can get it. The word of God was not given to us just to, just to reveal something to us. I say something I believe to do. Say, I believe to do. I, I hear to do. I you know, some people just believe. They say they believe, but they don't do. You don't really believe. Because when you believe, you're compelled to action. I believe to do. I hear to do. I don't hear for nothing. I hear to do. When I hear the word, I do it. He gave us the word for a reason. Are you following this? All right. James chapter 1. Let's begin from verse 22. James chapter 1. But be doers of the word. Oh God. Oh God. In the Old Testament, they were told to obey the Word of God. In the New Testament, we don't obey the Word of God. We do the Word of God. There's a big difference between the two. In the Old Testament, the Word of God was an outside force. In the New Testament, it is an inside force. The Word lives in us today. And there's something more than that you got to understand. And, and this is so powerful, so important, so, so important. And that is, you know, have you ever heard the term, you become what you eat? Have you heard it? And every time I talk like that, the big ones start getting a bit uncomfortable. But, uh, listen, you become what you eat. Okay, by that I mean that whatever it is that you've been eating would go into your body. It'll go into your body. All right? It'll go into your body. It'll become part of your body. But that's just one little part of it. The Word of God is in us. Okay? And when we eat the Word, digest the Word, it goes into our system. 
But there's something even more beautiful. And that is that we are actually the offspring of the word. We were born of the word. We are children of the word. Do you understand? The word of God gave birth to us. Once you begin to understand that, it will take you into a new lifestyle altogether. You begin to see life in a totally new way. Get it? The word of God gave birth to us. Let me pick it up again from a, a cultural point of view. Imagine that you were Japanese or Korean outwardly because every one of us inside the body, there's nothing Korean about you inside the body. There's nothing American about you inside your body. There's nothing, nothing Egyptian about you inside your body. And that's why your heart can be taken away and given to another person, another country, in another color, and it will still work. <laughs> Praise God. Okay. But you see, different people have been raised through different cultures. And depending on the culture you've been given, the culture in which you've been raised, your way of living, your behavior, your ways of doing things will be peculiar to the culture in which you were raised. It won't take long for someone to be able to tell that you are from such and such a country. Or they may be able to tell that you are from such and such a culture. Because of your expressions. Okay? But then, God expects us, because that's in the natural, natural life. Natural, human, earthly life. What God wants is for us to be so inundated with the word, so soaked into the word, until we are known by our heavenly culture rather than an earthly dying culture. Are you following this? Now, that happens through our spiritual upbringing, through the word. As the word is given into our consciousness, we act accordingly, we think accordingly. Are you following this? Now, look at this. You're born of the word of God, and this is reality. The Bible says, being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. He says, of his own will, he begat us by the word of truth. Hallelujah. That we should be a kind of fresh fruits. Top class. That's first fruits. It means the first and the best. Top class of his creatures. So I know who I am. I'm top class. First fruits of his creatures. Hallelujah. So I, I'm born of the word of God. If I'm born of the word of God, then who am I? Who am I? Then Jesus 
Didn't Jesus tell us? I am the vine, ye are the branches. I am the vine, ye are the branches. That means we're one with him. Jesus is the word of God made flesh. We are the offspring of the word of God. So who are we? It's too big for a religious man or woman. They say, when I get to meet such fellows, I don't have to say anything. I just open scriptures. Just one scripture after the other. Just read this, read this. So what do you think of these scriptures? He says, give me time. Because a lot of people have been trained religiously for so many years. They call it the Christian religion. It's such a nice, wonderful religion. They think that Christianity means that we accept that Jesus is the Son of God. He died for our sins and God raised him up. He probably went back to heaven. Probably. And God is asking us to be kind and nice. So in Christianity, we're kind and nice. That's all they know about Christians. They don't understand that we have a life to live. They don't understand. They don't know what Jesus came to do. They think he just came to die and save us. Save us. Finish. They don't understand the word salvation. Salvation in the Bible doesn't just mean to deliver out of trouble. Salvation is a big thing. You study it in the epistles, you discover he's not just saving you from trouble, saving you from sin. So who is Jesus to you? The one who came to save us from our sins. Save us from our sins. Is that all? You don't get it then. Let me explain to you. Yes, he came to save us from our sins. And when he saved us from our sins, he died. So we all died with him. That's how he saved us from our sins. By making us pay for our sins through him. We paid for our sins. Through him. He paid for us in his death. That was enough. That was the salvation from sin. It was over by death. That was all. But he didn't end there. The Bible says God raised him from the dead. That had nothing to do with sin. Because it says, the soul that sinned, it shall die. So Jesus died for us in our place. He died spiritually for every one of us. Because he was cut off from God. And he died physically for every one of us. And that ended it. When he said on the cross, it is finished. Then the Bible says, his head dropped and gave up the ghost. That was the payment. Full final payment. Then he went to hell. The third day, the Bible tells us that God raised him from the dead. And then, look at this. I want to show you. Christianity does not begin from the cross. It begins from the resurrection. 
You see it? Not from the death. When he died, he died for everybody and paid the full penalty for sin. But when God raised him up, he came up with a new life. That's what the Bible says, if any man is in Christ, if you believe in Jesus Christ, not in his death, but in his resurrection, and you know, the lesser is included in the greater. If he didn't die, he couldn't resurrect. So if I believe in his resurrection, I automatically believe in his death. Can you see that? Do you understand that now? So when God raised him up, he says, believe in his resurrection. That's why he says, if thou, if you will confess, Romans chapter 10 verse 9, if you will confess, declare, announce, profess, with your mouth, if you would say with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, believing in your heart that God raised him from the dead. Can you see it? He didn't say believing in your heart that he died. No, believing in your heart that God raised him from the dead. Hallelujah. He says salvation is yours. And so if you find people who are struggling with Christianity, and they don't know whether or not they're born again. Help them to accept this very simple thing. You say to them, do you believe that God raised Jesus from the dead? They're going to say yes. Because they do. And then you say, all you have to do is declare with your mouth. And you can do that now and say, Jesus Christ is Lord of my life. And when you say that with your mouth, Believing in your heart that God raised him from the dead. That lordship of Jesus breaks the dominion of darkness, the dominion of sin, the dominion of the devil off of your life. And right away, you're catapulted into the kingdom of God. Oh, thank you, Lord Jesus. Look at Colossians chapter 1 verse 12. Colossians chapter 1, verse 12. This is wonderful. Look at it. Giving thanks unto the Father, which hath made us meet. This is King James. It means who, who has qualified us. Which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. Give us the NIV. There's a little more expression that's not in this place. You'll see it now. Oh, look at it. Giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in the kingdom of light. In the kingdom of light. We are in the kingdom of light. Every one of us is the light. Can you shout amen, somebody? In the kingdom of light. The Bible says in our God, in our Heavenly Father, in Him, He says, there is no darkness at all. He gave us the Word to give us a culture because we're children of the Word. See, we're an offspring of the Word of God. And so, as we hear the Word, our faith is stirred. The Word ministers faith to our spirits. And the Word cultures us for the life of the kingdom of light. Are you following this? We are the word of God in flesh. 
Jesus was the word made flesh. We are the word in flesh. But we grow, you understand. As we learn the word of God, we walk in the culture of the word. We see through the word. We see with the word. We understand by the word. Are you following what I'm telling you? It changes our thinking. He gave us the word to renew our minds because the word already gave us a culture. Whatever area of the world you come from, they have given you a culture, consciously or unconsciously. You have the world's culture. You have the world's way of doing things. For example, the Spirit of God began to show me something. When I said, oh, I forgot, I forgot. Then he said, you're going to have to learn this. This is something I'm now learning. Can you imagine this? I'm learning it. So already, you see, I don't know everything. Can you see? I'm learning. I'll never forget. Uh, my older daughter, when she was younger, she was about seven, seven years old or so. So she asked me a question. And I said, I'll find out. She was so shocked. She said, find out? And I was surprised that she was expressing such a surprise. I said, yes. Why? She said, Dad, I thought you knew everything. <laughs> I said, oh, only God knows everything. <laughs> Hallelujah. So you see, the Lord began to show me something. He said, if you keep confessing you forgot this and you forgot that, oh, I forgot. He said, you bring forgetting into your spirit. I said, forgetting? He said, yes. He said, forgetting is not part of your spirit. Your spirit remembers. He says, you can pick up the information from your spirit. You see, now I'm telling you something I'm learning. So, I'm, so we better learn it together, right? Let's learn it quick. You'll be amazed what will happen to us. Oh, I forgot. I forgot. Oh, I forgot. I forgot. Oh, I forgot this. How, how, how much confession of forgetting we have? I said, Lord, this one is quite a tough one. He said, yes, do it. So I'm learning it. When I said, I forgot, I said, I didn't forget. Uh, uh, then I said, Lord, but I, I thought I forgot, really. He says, mm-mm. So I said, okay. Say, I'll remember. I'll remember. I'll remember. Not I forgot, I forgot. I'll remember. I'll remember. I'll remember. I'll remember. Yeah, I remember. And so, otherwise, by the time you are, how many years old? Oh, you know, uh, you know, when you are getting as old, you start forgetting things. I refuse to forget. <laughs> so I remember or choose not to remember. It's about remembering and not about forgetting. Forgetting means I lost the fires. Remembering means that I call up the fire or I choose to delete the fire. When I forget, I can't find the fire. Okay, now you got it. Glory to God. You're still there. He's given us a culture. He's helping us understand the word and live by the word because we are the word. Listen, the word of God built, constructed this world. 
And the Bible says the Holy Ghost garnished it. Oh, hallelujah. The Holy Spirit never works without the word. He works with the word. The Holy Ghost does the word of God. God speaks, the Holy Spirit carries it out. And to live that life of victory that he's given to us, he gave us the Holy Ghost. What word do you think the Holy Ghost is here to act upon? Your word? Mm -mm. Your word that is in line with the word of God. He never does things outside the word of God. Are you following this? When we learn to express his thoughts, when we learn to express who he is, his personality, his nature, we live in victory continually. Winning always until we realize that no circumstances in this life could ever subdue or overwhelm us. We are above only, only in every situation. Oh, thank you, Lord Jesus. In every situation. He says, count it all joy when you go through diverse tests. He says, count it all joy. Not count some joy. Somebody says, you know what we're really going through now? There's a lot of heat. There's a lot of heat. There's a lot of heat. It don't matter how tough that fire is. He says, when you go through the water, it shall not overflow you. When you go through the fire, you shall not be burned. That's what he said. That's what he said. And I hold on to his word. Hold on to his word. Let me show you something. I told you open St. John's Gospel, right? Okay. Let's begin with chapter 1. And um, uh, let's take from verse 1. Just a few very important thoughts that I'd like to show you. Yeah. First John, one to go. Hmm. 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 Hey. I, I don't know whether you're seeing that or not. But this is so powerful. Let's look at it. It says, that which was from the beginning. Now, John, this John, was the one who wrote the book of Revelation. Okay? And then, this same John was the one who was with Jesus. Okay? One of the apostles. He was the one who was with Jesus. So close to Jesus. And Jesus gave him to take care of his mother. You remember that? This man said this. That which was from the beginning. Which we have heard. Which we have seen with our eyes. Which we have looked upon. And our hands have handled of the word of life. Oh. What's John saying? Imagine this. Imagine what John is telling us. He remembers, he remembers how they taught Jesus. They taught Jesus. 
Jesus. And he didn't know who he was touching at the time. When he touched Jesus. And on that last night, when Jesus was with his disciples, taking that last supper, he had his head against the master's chest. Okay? When Jesus was talking about dying, and they were also tired and, and weakened by this news. But he often taught Jesus. And he didn't know who he was touching. You get it? And Jesus did say he was the son of God, but that didn't give them any serious impressions. You know? Until one day, when Jesus died, John was there watching. Jesus died on the cross. Then Jesus was buried. The third day, they heard they couldn't find his body. So John and Peter ran together to the grave. This John. He's, he told us the story. He said he outran Peter. He was younger than Peter. Outran Peter. Was ahead. He got to the entrance of the cave first. And he told us he didn't enter. He waited for Peter. <laughs> Maybe he was afraid. Then Peter came, the bold man that he was, ate at in, and couldn't find the master. And he was inside with Peter. He said, when I saw the clothes. I believed. John believed. And came out of that place. He believed who Jesus was. But it was not over yet. Until the one that completely flawed everybody. It was when Jesus gathered them together in Galilee. He had appointed to meet them there. And had discussions with them. And while he was still talking to them. The Bible says he levitated. <laughs> Jesus. Lifted. And they watched him. His feet off the ground. Several feet off the ground. And he just kept going, going. Jesus kept going upward. Where is he going? He was going. They were stoned, speechless. How would you feel if you'd been with a man three long years and you saw him going up like this? He had been saying, I'm from above. He had been saying it. He had been talking about going back to his heavenly father. He had been saying it. And now you're watching him. No human equipment. And he goes higher and higher until he goes through the clouds. Oh God. 
Who do I tell? Who will believe what I just saw? And Jesus was gone. Now, to think, the man we had been with this past three years was truly the Son of God. He blew our minds with miracle after miracle. We thought we had seen the end. We just kept seeing more and more miracles. And then, not only did he raise the dead, he now died and came out of the grave himself. They thought this was wonderful. Then, he ascended. God Almighty. He didn't disappear suddenly. No! They saw him go. Then he said, that which we have seen with our eyes, which our hands have handled of the word of life. Oh, look at it. And our hands have handled of the word of life. I want you to look at verse 2. God Almighty, look at this. Verse 2. For the life, in parentheses, I want you to see it. For the life was manifested, and we have seen it. Oh, God. He says, the life, the essence. You know what it is for life? Everybody's talking about this life, this is alive, this is not alive, and living things. Then life itself was tabernacled in a human being. And John says, we saw it. We saw life. We saw the very essence of life. We saw him tabernacled. We touched him. We handled him. He says, for the life was manifested, and we have seen it. And bear witness, and show unto you that eternal life, hallelujah, which was with the Father, and was manifested unto us. Oh, glory to God. Oh. Oh, dear Lord Jesus. Oh. Oh. oh, the life was manifested, and we have seen it. You know, I read the scripture, I just can't get over it. Just can't get over it. Verse 3, that which we have seen and heard, declare we unto you, that he also may have fellowship with us. And truly, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Say, our fellowship is with the Father. And with his Son, Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Are you there? Say, I'm alive to God. You see, Christianity is a living thing. It's not religion. It's a living thing. No wonder he says, Christ in you, the hope of glory. And he gave us the word so we can say the word. He wants us to speak the word. See, you can't speak what you don't know. Is that correct? You can't speak what you don't know. 
He gives you the word. So you say the word. Because that's who you are. Second Corinthians. Hallelujah. I have a father. Almighty father. King of kings. Lord of lords. I have a father. Hallelujah. Second Corinthians chapter 3. I want to read from verse 1. Oh, glory to God. Do we begin again? This is the Apostle Paul writing, and he, he says, Do we begin again to commend ourselves, or need we, as some others, epistles of commendation to you, or letters of commendation from you? You know, when you study the Word of God, don't miss very vital things that He tells you. Sometimes we're so interested. Have you ever listened to someone tell you a story, and all you're waiting to hear is the end of the story? And you miss all the details. It's like some of us, when we're on a journey, okay, we're going somewhere, our mind is so much on where we're going that we miss all the beauty along the way. And so we don't enjoy the journey. We just get in the bus, on the plane, some just get in and right away start sleeping. And, and you know, just whatever, just, just until they arrive. They don't enjoy the journey. I like to enjoy my journey. Whether it's on land, sea, or air, I like to enjoy it. I like to see all the beauty of life along the way. It's a journey. Right? God also wants us to see all the beauty of life along the way. Otherwise, we just disappear and reappear. Hallelujah. Yeah. So don't miss all the beautiful things. You know, someone's telling you a nice story. The end of the story is going to be very beautiful. But if you listen to the details of the story, you're going to find some lovely things that you can take with you. Okay. So this man's going to be telling us some stuff. But along the way, he mentions very viral things. Look at this. As, as though he's... he's rebuking them of some kind, but not necessarily. But look at it. Do we begin again to commend ourselves or need we or some others epistles of commendation to you or letters of commendation from you? Verse 2. Ye are our epistle, written in our hearts, known and read of all men. Ye are our epistle. You know, I, I, I want to pause. What's this man saying? Ye are our epistle. You are our message. That's what he's saying. You are our message. Written in our hearts, known and read of all men. Hmm. Glory to God. Okay, 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 okay. Ye are our epistle. So you underline that. He says we are the epistles of the apostles. Okay, that's wonderful. That's wonderful. Pastor Roy, that's wonderful, isn't it? It's wonderful. Exciting. Okay, look at verse 3. For as much as ye are, he now tells us why we are 
such, why he could go ahead and say such a thing. He says, for as much as ye are manifestly declared to be the epistle of Christ. Huh? So this is a bigger truth than the one in verse 2. Because he says the one in verse 2 is only possible because of this one in verse 3. He says, we are manifestly declared to be the epistle of Christ. We are the epistle of Christ? Cocrandula os to bradilas. Get your spiritual antenna raised. That's what I said in the Holy Ghost just now. That's what I said in tongues. You see, what is this man saying? Christ is the word of God. Now, he's telling us that we are the word of Christ. Are you following it? For as much as ye are manifestly declared to be the epistle of Christ, ministered by us, written not with ink, but with the spirit of a living God, not in tables of stone, but in fleshy tables of the heart. I am the epistle of Christ. God, am I a message? I'm a message? I said, you are the light of the world. You are a message. God is using you to give a message to the world every day. Manifestly declared to be the epistle of Christ. Written by the spirit of the living God. I'm a message. I'm a message. Oh God. Hey, 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 hey. No wonder he said, you are the head, not the tail. I can understand it. I can understand it. I can understand it. I can understand why people look at us and think that we are proud and braggadocious. I, I can understand it. You see, there's, there's a way I can't talk. I, I can't talk like an ordinary person. It's not possible. It's not in my system. I'm not an ordinary person. How could I talk like an ordinary person? It, it just can't work with my system. I'm the epistle of Christ. I know who I am. 